Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It's April the 16th, lunchtime on the West Coast in California in the United States. And the news today seems to be dominated by one kind of family feud or another. Uh, the news out of Germany is that, in metaphorical terms at least, there's a bitter family feud uh, dominating the race to replace Angela Merkel. Um, whether Merkel or not has children, she certainly has metaphorical ones uh, in the German political system. And over the English Channel, there's another kind of family feud going on. Prince Philip, the uh, long-serving, long-suffering husband of Queen Elizabeth, just said goodbye. I don't know if he said goodbye. We said goodbye to him. Uh, but in the midst of uh, Philip's funeral, apparently uh, the two brothers, the two grandsons of Philip, uh, William and Harry, uh, will not stand side by side Apparently, their feud exploded because they were raised, quote-unquote, for different futures. Uh, there is a rift, uh, an estrangement now between the two most famous royals in the world. So what's going on here? What's the problem between brothers, between siblings? I thought it would be a good way to introduce my guest today on the show, who is a bit of an expert herself on sibling rivalry, estrangements, and reconciliation. Her new book, uh, Brothers, Sisters, Strangers, Sibling Estrangement and the Road to Reconciliation uh, by Fern Schumer Chapman, even mentions the royals, uh, uh, not a uh, Angela Merkel, but uh, Markle, the, uh, one of the, the wives of, uh, of the princes. So, um, Fern... I know your book isn't about the royals, but perhaps to kick off, you might give me your interpretation of this supposed rift between uh, William and Harry. What do you think is going on? Well, I think that uh, they fall into many of the risk categories for sibling estrangement. And I didn't know before I did my book on this topic that there actually were risk categories. So you have family trauma, and of course, those the royal brothers experienced the death of their mother at a deeply traumatizing age. You have parental favoritism, and the monarchy presents the ultimate in favoritism as William will become king and Harry will be relegated. It's, to a, it's an institutionalized kind of favoritism. It's not even uh, psychological, is it? It's, it's built right. into the very institution that they're part of, the very family they're part of. Right. Then you have poor communication skills. The monarchy is notoriously bad at resolving personal problems. And the brothers clearly have never learned how to negotiate their differences. And finally, you have a really serious situation with family values, judgments, and choices. When someone marries outside the family identity, you start to have conflict often. Harry married far outside the family identity, and he may have chosen his partner wittingly or unwittingly, but clearly she has helped to create some distance 
and maybe even a total break from his family. As he said, when he met Megan, he said, I was trapped, but I didn't know it. So he feels she has somehow uh, heightened his awareness of how he was trapped and how the family did not meet his needs. Well, thank you for that wonderful analysis of the royal family. It's probably the most lucid one, actually, I've heard. Fern. Uh, as I said, your book, Brothers, Sisters, Strangers, Sibling Estrangement and the Road to Reconciliation, is a book both uh, in broad conceptual terms about the problems between the psychological, emotional problems and challenges of, of, of sibling life, but more specifically, it's a book, and, and perhaps this is an alternative title. This was the, um, uh, th this is who you wrote the book for, the beginning of the book, uh, For My Brother. It's a book about uh, your brother and your relationship with your brother. Here we have uh, some pictures of you and your brother growing up as very uh, <laughs> cheerful uh, young people. Uh, Sorry, I missed the question that was in there. Well, that was a Freudian miss, Fern. I said, tell me about your brother. Ah, okay. Well, my brother and I couldn't be more different. And um, during this long estrangement, when my children would ask me why I had nothing to do with my brother, I would often say, the gene pool is vast. Um, my brother is, was much more extroverted. He had a lot of friends, um, whereas I was much more introverted and with a, a few, a group of a few friends. He rejected my father and my father very much valued education and profession. And of course, I went along those lines, whereas my brother really resisted. And all of those things created some tension in the relationship. But I think the largest problem was that my brother resented that I somehow was able to maintain a relationship with a very difficult parent when he simply could not stand to be around my dad. Your uh, book also, in the introduction, uh, you have a poem, a wonderful poem by Sigrid Sassoon, the early 20th century English, uh, Anglo-German poet, uh, to my brother, give me your hand, my brother, search my face, look in these eyes, lest I should think of shame. For we have made an end of all, the, of all things base. We are returning by the road we came. Siblings, of course, have, in a sense, traveled on, this, on that same road that Sassoon writes about. Is that why our relations with siblings are so complex, so fraught with tension, so problematic, and so rich and important to us? Well, they're the longest relationships that we have. They outlive, generally, parents, and they are longer than partners. And I think that um, they wax and wane over the course of a lifetime. So what I mean by that, there are going to be times when we are close to our siblings and more involved with them and maybe even have daily contact. And then you may go through a period where you have no contact for a long period of time. Um, siblings are very important to emotional health. And actually the most important study, the Harvard study of adult development, which has been underway since 1938, has found that a close relationship 
with a sibling during college years is the single most reliable indicator of emotional health at 65. So that means that that relationship is more important than say childhood closeness to parents or emotional problems in childhood or parental divorce or marriages or careers. And that's really quite a fascinating statistic. Other stories, other studies also corroborate that. So for example, uh, good relations with a sibling in adolescence reportedly raises self-esteem. Uh, it can have an effect on performance in school. It can improve chances of being a well-adjusted adult. And of course, as that other study showed, it leads to less loneliness and lower levels of depression and greater satisfaction of life. Now, I have to, having said all that, one of the fascinating aspects is there isn't that much research on siblings. And in fact, Freud only mentioned siblings maybe five times in all of his works. You, you, you note um, that two personality types, you talked about this at the beginning, two, two personality types appear to be particularly vulnerable to estrangement. Those who are extremely angry and those who nurse grievances. Uh, you have an interesting section in the book on social media. Do you think we live at a time, um, Fern, where uh, people are angrier and have more grievances? Or is it because social media is so transparent into our inner worlds that it seems to be like that? Well, I don't know if I can accurately assess whether we live at a time where we're more angry, although it certainly seems that way from the news. And um, and I think social media is the vehicle that shows you uh, the inner life or the posturing that goes on uh, among families. Social media is very complicated for the estranged because you can't just keep blocking people not to be exposed to some of those family members and to some of that bitterness. Um, it also is a place where there's a lot of posturing. So it's a very curated presentation. Theatrical. Um, when you say posturing, people are showing off. People are playing on a particular kind of stage. Yes, exactly. I don't think it's a very accurate representation of what life is like. I think many people try to put on the best picture of who they are and how their family loves each other. Your book, um, Fern, which is a wonderful read, very emotional, very revealing, very honest, it's really in some ways, I think, a book about survival. Uh, you have this lovely phrase, uh, from birth, siblings are fellow survivors of childhood, witnesses to that elemental world. Talk to me a little bit about this idea of of, of this, uh, um, uh, of this uh, connection between surviving childhood? Because, of course, there's a reverse to that, too. Not everyone does indeed survive childhood, either physically or emotionally. Well, we have very shared experiences at a young age. Who else are you in the bathtub except your sibling? Um, and we see the family and have shared family experiences, especially for those of us who had terribly dysfunctional families. Um, and so we know the territory. And when I was estranged from my brother, 
one of the pieces that bothered me so much is I didn't have anybody to cross-reference my memories. So nobody to corroborate what had happened in childhood. And but, 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 but just jumping in here, I know in, in terms of my brother, and I think a lot of siblings, is everyone has different narratives of the reality of their childhood, the reality of their parents' marriage, the reality of their relations with their parents, the reality of their particular relations. So it's not as if uh, they, they always share that reality. Absolutely. You know, we all have unique perspectives on what happened. However, you both did share the experience. And it's helpful to have somebody who can say to you, yeah, I didn't see it that way. Or yes, I did. Um, you know, one of the powerful moments in the book is when I tell my brother that I have a lot of resentment towards my mother who did not protect me during childhood. And he's the only person who could have ever said this to me. He said, how can you expect her to protect you? She couldn't protect herself. Well, it's interesting that you bring up your mother uh, in the context of survival. Here we have um, some photos of, of your mother uh, when, when you were younger with her. Because she, in, in your words, was a survivor of the Holocaust. Right. Um, we've had a couple of other shows about uh, female survivors of the Holocaust. Uh, Judy Battalion, this is a New York Times bestseller, The Light of Days, which is about female resistance to uh, the Nazis. But the, the, the shadow of the book is her mother escaping uh, the Nazis and and being a survivor and carrying that terrible scar. Um, Sherry Turkle's The Empathy Diaries is also about her mother and her attitude. She wasn't a quote-unquote Holocaust survivor. What was it, do you think, about the Holocaust that, if not made your mother a bad mom or created a lot of tensions between her and you and your brother, but how did it shape her experience of parenthood? My mother was sent to the United States as an unaccompanied minor before we had the label. She was 12 years old in 1938. Her parents sensed the growing anti-Semitism in her very small town. And they made the pain. Which, which town was that? It's called Stuttgart am Rhein. It's uh, about an hour south of Frankfurt. And actually, so she was my, a German refugee. Right. And my... My first book, Motherland, is about my mother and I returning to her small hometown 63 years after she had left. Right. I'm putting, I'm put, by the way, sorry to interrupt, but uh, I'm putting your other books up on, on the screen here. Three stars in the night sky, mm -hmm. stumbling on history and like finding my twin. So go on. Yeah. And Motherland and Is It Night or Day are the other two I've done. Motherland captures my mother's and my journey back to this town. It was a very small town and everyone had a sense of what they had or had not done during this crucial time in history. And consequently, my mother was confronting her community. Now, you asked me how this affected her as a mother. She lost everything, homeland, language, identity, friends, in as a 12-year-old, she then was an immigrant and she had to assimilate into teenage culture um, immediately. It was a very difficult road. 
What happens when someone experiences this kind of trauma at a young age is they're often stuck in a 12 year old's broken heart. She was traumatized and she did not grow for a long time past that point. And actually writing Motherland changed everything for her and began to jumpstart her ability to accept what had happened to her. But when my mother's feeling about how her parents sent her away is not that Hitler had betrayed her, it was her parents who she felt betrayed her because she did not understand why they sent her away. They, she thought maybe they sent her away because they didn't love her. Well, when a parent feels that way, that their parents betrayed them and feels so broken, it's very hard to give your own child the love and trust and confidence that the world is a safe place. Your book then is about estrangement uh, and, and particularly the estrangement between you and your brother. It goes from estrangement, part one, to the end of the book in which he says to you um, after a, a particularly warm family ceremony, uh, you know, Fern, uh, I'd do anything for you. So how did you, very briefly, how did you go from this terrible estrangement that hung like a, a black shadow over your life to this to this reconciliation where today you talk to the guy every day on the phone? Well, let me start by saying that estrangement is so devastating that I ruminated for a very long time about what I had done. Why doesn't he talk to me? How can I fix this? And rumination is a classic symptom in estrangement. You didn't and learn from your mother about feeling guilty for everything? <laughs> well, it's I only have one brother, so not to have that relationship meant I was not a, an aunt. I my children had no cousins on my side. Mm. It was a devastating loss for me. I think other families where there are more siblings may not take it quite as hard, but for me it was an entire branch of the family was cut off. Here we have a, a photo of you and your brother after this reconciliation sharing, uh, for those people who were just listening, sharing uh, an image like finding my twin. You don't look unalike. Um, your brother was a very troubled boy and man, um, wasn't he? I mean, this was part of the estrangement uh, mm -hmm. and part of the re reconciliation that in the end he had to come to you to help him out of the, the series of crises he was having. Right. And that's where the book begins. I get a desperate call from my mother who asks me to intervene uh, after I've had no contact with my brother for many decades. And basically, she doesn't know what to do anymore because he was in such a dark place. And of course, that raised all sorts of questions, such as what obligations do I have to a brother who has not been a brother to me? What obligations do I have to my mother? And um, of course, I ended up and you also, had, sorry to jump in here, Fern, you also had a husband and children, so it wasn't as if you were alone. And, and I assume that they were experiencing your emotional ups and downs because of this. Well, my children were very protective of me. And um, 
they did not want me to get involved because they felt I had been too hurt by my relationship with him or lack of, thereof. Um, and so they didn't want me to do anything. And I couldn't, I simply could not turn my back on him or on my mother at that point. So is, this, is the message, a, when it comes down to it, is it a message of love and forgiveness for brothers or sisters watching this, listening to this, who have a sibling who did, who has behaved badly in the past, either in the distant past or no. in the near past? Do people just need to get beyond no. that? I, I think there are some relationships where boundaries and distance are essential. There are some people who are so toxic and a sibling can get so hurt that it's best to stay away. However, in my case, I didn't understand and I didn't know why my brother had had no relationship with me for all those years. And um, I didn't think he was a, that cruel and abusive of a person. So I didn't understand any of this. And of course, part of the book is my increasing awareness of what he was going through and what, how it had affected our relationship. But I think there are some relationships you just simply have to cut off. And I don't want to set the model for others that you must reconcile. I would say that if you're dealing with a sibling where you've had a spat and it doesn't go so deep that that person's going to personally injure you over and over again, and you can crack the door open, then yes, reconciliation has been for me uh, a, a, a great improvement in my well-being. But I recognize that not everybody can accomplish this. Do you think therapy is central to this? Uh, your own narrative is less about therapy and more about friendship and volunteering and other work you did to sort of seem to to balance your mind, to give you a sense of perspective? Well, I volunteered to cuddle babies at the Cradle, which is an adoption agency. And that agency takes in babies between birth and placement, and the cuddlers give the, those babies the love. And what I didn't understand when I first volunteered is this is a unique feminine environment where the nurses and cuddlers not only nurture babies, but they also nurture each other. And I benefited greatly from a friendship at that location. And as you know, she figures into the book in a very large way. Uh, a few months ago, we had my friend Ann Applebaum on the show, a wonderful writer, prize-winning author, Atlantic um, columnist and all the rest of it. Uh, she had an interesting book about the increasing kind of intellectual civil war in Europe between right and left. And you write about this in the book too. In Poland, you write two brothers, the Kursky brothers are no longer talking because one is the, the most powerful liberal in the country and the other is the most powerful conservative. Um, to what extent do you think ideological divisions of the early 21st century between the populism of uh, the Polish Catholics or the Trumpists or the Bolsonaro people in Brazil and this rift with liberals, how much is it compounding family discord? I think quite a bit. Uh, I did do a survey and also there are some surveys on Facebook chat rooms 
And this comes up frequently. Um, I did an article recently uh, about this topic, and one woman talked about her survivalist Idaho brother and how she's a progressive, and the two just cannot find any common ground. And what advice would you give? I mean, if, if someone's a, a Trump supporter or a, a Bernie Sanders supporter, surely we should be tolerant with one another. You may not agree with their politics, but it doesn't suggest that we should estrange ourselves from our, our brother or sister, should it? No, I don't think so. I think you probably have to limit the topics. You know, you don't want to have a political discussion at the Thanksgiving dinner table. It will get heated too quickly. I also think you need somebody in the family, a matriarch or a patriarch, who says, we don't do this and we are going to get along. It's important. Um, we want to keep the family together and this is a divisive topic and let's shut it down. Um. Uh, Fern, yesterday we had a, a young historian from the University of Chicago, Blake Smith, who's written a very interesting uh, commentary called The Woke Meritocracy, which is a critique of the new uh, elite uh, at the Ivy Leagues. And one of the things he observes is that this new generation of kids at Chicago and Harvard and Yale and Princeton, they think of their parents as their best friends. They're not rebellious. Now, you're from a, a different generation, my generation, where we did take on our parents. I think that's what divided you and your brother, your brother's dramatic rejection of your father's profession and lifestyle. Um, are you concerned with this, that the kids of today aren't rebelling enough against their parents? And I'm curious as to the, the Gen Xs and the Gen Yers, whether the this crisis of sibling relations is different from, from the boomer generation. Well, I will say it's crucial that children individuate. And a part of that is rebellion. And if they don't individuate, they never have a sense I don't of like that word. I have to admit, Fern, individuate. What does it mean? Individuate means to separate themselves from the family and live with autonomously and think for themselves. Like what your brother did. Well, he, he did do it in a rather dramatic way, um, probably too extreme, but- um, Did you do it too? I, I never got the sense whether or not you were a rebel. No, I was much more of the caregiver. And I think the interesting aspect of my mother's experience was that I became the mother to my own mother because she needed one more than I did. And even though you were the caregiver and the loving daughter and the dutiful daughter, your father still treated you terribly. So it didn't really make that much difference, did it? At least in terms of him. I mean, I lived the way I thought I needed to, given my mother's history and um, how I could live with myself. And in many ways, this book, Brothers, Sisters, Strangers, is the same thing. My kids were saying, don't do it, don't do it, mom. And I'm saying, I have to live with myself. Did it shape you as a parent? Are your kids on are very close? I think it did shape my children, yes, because they saw how painful this was for me and they did not want to do it to each other. And I think they are close as a result of um, witnessing my pain. Let's end, uh, Fern, with a return, not to Merkel, but to the... English royal family always seem to be 
canaries in the coal mine in terms of broader cultural trends. Um, this rift between William and, and Harry, of course, reflects Harry's marriage uh, to, um, uh, to, Mer uh, to, to Markle, not Merkel, Meghan Markle. Um, Markle is uh, an articulator of, of, of what we might think of as the a new kind of therapeutic uh, culture. Here, here is a piece that she wrote for the New York Times, The Losses We Share. Uh, in a sense, I guess your book is also very much part of this new therapeutic culture where we perhaps replace politics with therapy. Um, is that a 100% good thing? I mean, should we be overcome with therapy and feelings and emotions? Um, or do we need to rebalance our culture so that not everything gets dragged into this Meghan Markle uh, emotionalism? Well, I think up until recent times, people have been very suspicious of emotion. And maybe this is a bit of a backlash from that. Um, or, I, but I don't know that I fit in perfectly to what you're saying. I had a personal story which I believed resonated with many, many people. Sibling estrangement is something people don't talk about and it has a deep stigma. And I felt it was necessary to write this book, not so much for the therapy, but because there's no support out there. Sibling, those who are estranged from siblings don't go to support groups because they're embarrassed. And it really hasn't been researched much. So I felt like it was a, an ignored phenomenon. And um, I also thought that maybe my story and my brother's story could inspire others to consider moving forward into reconciliation. And that's one of the, those are the reasons I wrote it. Um, if it provides some therapy, I guess I'm happy about that. Uh, a lot of... Well, rather than therapy, maybe a book about feelings, but it is a, a really good book. And I, and I think in your introduction, you remind people that... Um, uh, that that most of us and 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 here's the 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 uh, most there aren't support groups really many support groups for the estranged when it comes to siblings so I think it's a really important book it's a very personal very coherent book very well written an excellent read for anyone interested in this subject uh, brothers sisters strangers sibling estrangement and the road to reconciliation by Fern Schumer Chapman uh, not only a good book but a good interviewee Fern. Uh, you are in Chicago in these strange times in April 2021, stuck inside. In addition to your book, any other books that people should be reading while we still wait to be vaccinated and let back out into our normal pre-COVID lives? I just read The Secret Life of Dorothy Soames by Justine Cowan, and it was a fascinating read about a, a woman who does not understand her mother's history because the mother did not discuss what had happened to her in her early life. And as she investigates and discovers her mother's story after the mother's death, she learns that her mother was in the Foundling Hospital in London. And the book is an exploration of illegitimacy and how it affects families. I found it quite fascinating.
Well, that is The Secret Life of Dorothy Soames by Justine Cowan. It got a, a very nice review in the uh, New York Times in January of this year. I want to congratulate you, Fern, uh, on an excellent new book. Keep well. Keep talking to your brother. I think uh, it's really an uplifting story. Uh, and congratulations to him, too. I don't know if he'll watch this, but he comes out of this a bit of a hero, too. He clearly has had a very... Uh, troubled and troubling life, but he has also matured. The two of you, I think, are a wonderful story for other siblings who haven't yet reconciled. So congratulations on the book and uh, keep well, and we'll have you again on the show again in the not-too-distant future. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I enjoyed our talk.